everybody, I'm Kalila Reynolds and welcome to another episode of Taking Stock Live. We're bringing you all the latest business news and telling you how it will affect you and your money. Tonight is a special show. We've got Ask the Analyst coming up and quite a few things to talk about that are hot on the market scene right now. But before we get started, here's a look at what's hot in business. Here's a look at what's coming up in tonight's show, followed by what's hot in business. Now, come on. Money. Here's what's hot brought to you by JMMB Group, your best interest at heart. NCB Financial Group will be looking to raise new capital through an additional public offer. The company said it intends to call an extraordinary general meeting to consider offering up to 300 million new shares. Shareholders will vote on the decision at the EGM, which is expected to be held in the coming months. The Passport Immigration and Citizenship Agency says its online declaration platform was not hacked. The agency is, however, urging visitors to Jamaica to ensure they use the correct website when submitting the application. The announcement comes after thousands of visitors to the island were reportedly duped by websites charging up to 35 US dollars to complete the form. Since September 1, visitors have been required to complete the entry form online for free. Pika said that the online process is completely free and urged visitors to use only the Enter Jamaica website to complete the form. Short-term rental agency Airbnb says it had to stop accepting some reservations in New York City after new regulations on short-term rentals went into effect. Under the new rules, renters must register with the city to host guests for no longer than 30 days. Hosts must also commit to being physically present in the home for the duration of the rental with no more than two guests at a time. New York City officials said the restrictions were necessary to stop apartments from becoming hotels and driving up the price of housing. What's Hot was brought to you by JMMB Group, your best interest at heart. My name is Trisha Gay O'Connor and I'm an attorney at all. I attended the Real Estate Investing for Beginners course. It is a topic that has always appealed to me. I came away with a strategy as to how to invest in real estate. So I thought it was something that was definitely a goal, but a far-reaching one, but it seemed much more attainable once I attended it and heard the strategy. And you're better off, honestly, just buying the property, holding it, and as the value goes up over time, you can access a second mortgage or a home equity loan, as they call it. You can rinse and repeat that strategy and end up with 10 houses because all you do, you buy one. Even if it's your, your first house, you're living in there, you buy one house, price goes up over time. Take out a mortgage against now the increase in value. Use that to buy a second house. I can, I'll tell you guys, can you in here, I'm going to pay up on the money exactly how I did it. As simple as it seems, no, I actually never thought about it. And so for me, I have a plan. I didn't expect to come up with a plan, but I came out with a plan. So I'm extremely happy. Thank you very much, Kalila, and thank you so much, Keisha. The information was presented in a very clear, understandable way. 
and I am grateful. This is the start of me investing in real estate. <laughs> so guys, definitely join the money money mission. You won't regret it. Take my word. Real Estate for Beginners is available on demand or with a premium membership to the Money Mission community. Join now at moneymission.mn.co. The link is in the description. How you doing? I'm successful. How are you? I'm good. What's funny? You said you're successful. What? That mean you got business? Yes, I mind my business. <laughs> you probably too much to handle. <laughs> you got a minute? You got money? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I got money. What you want? You got cash out? No, nah, not, not cash out. PayPal? What you need right now? Venmo? I don't really got no digital pay. Zelle? No. Nah, Have a nice day. Hey, bro. This segment of Taking Stock is brought to you by Bulwark Insurance Agency. Insurance made easy. Welcome back. Welcome back. Let me shout out who our early warmers are. Let's see who is on, on the line. Like this is radio. <laughs> who is with us so far? Siobhan or Shavane Cook is here. We got Janoy ready. Let's get this money. Sean is in Toronto ready to learn. We got Elaine watching from a small island. Anthony in Portmore, Demari's ready, Raquel is ready as well, Humble Boss joining from Negril, who else we have? Javon says, remember, it's not how small your investment starts, it's the consistency. That's very, very true. Raquel is in Kingston and reminding people to like the video, guys, like the video. We got Treat You Botanic Botanicals in Manchester. Waiting for the highway, huh? I hear the big opening ceremony is on Thursday. I am definitely counting down the days. So tonight we have a special show and it is all about you, our viewers. Our show is called Ask the Analysts tonight because you get to ask our analyst panel what is on your mind. Let me mute my phone. I'm actually coming to you from Mandeville tonight. Normally I'm in town in Kingston. But tonight we're doing the show from Mandeville, so not in the regular studio, not in the regular settings, but we're making it work nonetheless. I feel like this is like a marriage. So right now, you guys watching tonight are our committed day ones. Last week, we had record numbers watching Taking Stock. We got picked up on many of the major media houses as well, but now are tried and true, the committed ones. The ones who put a ring on it, y'all are watching tonight because you know it goes down in the analysts and we have a great analyst panel with us this evening. But before I introduce them, I just want to comment uh, briefly on something that happened last week, and that is the gun attack against Nationwide News Network. As most, if not all of you probably know, I used to work at Nationwide for six years doing the morning show and in the newsroom. I was a part of that esteemed broadcast institution up until 2020. And so was my producer, Kristen. So you guys may hear me reference Kristen from time to time. She does a lot of the behind the works, if not most or all of the behind the, the, behind the scene work uh, for taking stocks so or booking the guests, writing the scripts, uh, coming up with ideas. She does a lot of that work. She also was at NNN. And for all of us who are a part of this production as well, we are all part of the media fraternity. And so we, so me right now on behalf of KRM, uh, we are condemning strongly that attack 
against Nationwide News Network as an attack on freedom of the press. It is something that we must not stand for, uh, no matter what the motive. So I just wanted to put that out there first and foremost, because that is a very, very scary situation. It could have been one of our colleagues just standing at the wrong place at the wrong time when that gunman on that bike decided to do what he did and let loose on the parking lot of that fine establishment. So just had to put that out there for the record. Now let's move on to other things because we've got quite a few matters to discuss this evening. Let me introduce our panel. We are joined today by Keisha Bailey. Oh, where is it? Yes, Keisha Bailey, CEO of Profit Jumpstarter, and David Rose, uh, business writer at the Jamaica Observer newspaper. So two of our regulars. Welcome, Keisha. Welcome, Hi. David. Hello. Hi, Kalila. Hey. All right. What's going on with our background, our usual blue background? Why is it black this week, um, Kristen? Anyway, so the first thing that we got to talk about is David. Keisha, you look pretty. Love Thank you. Isn't it a normal thing? Go on with yourself. Yeah, it is a normal thing, but for some reason, it's just oh, extra, they look extra pretty. Cha, cha, cha. <laughs> David putting me in check right now. Right. Like, you better recognize Kalila. Yeah. Um, yeah, so the biggest news of the week so far, business-wise, emerged yesterday when NCB put out this press release that they're doing an APO. And I was like, huh? NCB doing an APO? Why? They're looking to raise, well, based on current market prices of NCB shares, it could potentially be around $21 billion. We don't know what they plan to sell these shares at just yet. You would have seen that in What's Hot in Business just now. But let's talk about it. So David, why is NCB doing an APO? What's going on? Why do they need money? Well, that's what I'm looking forward to hear at the upcoming EGM because this was not something you'd have put on your bingo card for 2023. And like you just said, all right, it is, we're probably going to expect to see some sort of chaos, you know, and sort of this, that, but NCB was not on anybody's bingo card, you know, of raising that money through an APO. Remember, it's talking about one of the largest financial conglomerates in the Caribbean. And I say Jamaica alone, but you know, the Caribbean. So it's kind of just surprising to hear that they did an APO. And well, they're going to do an APO. And when I heard that they're going to do the APO, I said two things at the back of my mind. And the two things are happening. One, they need additional capital to prepare for Basel III and they're not going to take an additional debt to inject into NCBJ, which is the bank, as equity, which is tier one capital. Or, you know, it's got the potential, you know, to lower some of the debt at the NCBFG company level. So we always hear NCB Financial Group is a $2 trillion, you know, group and all that, but NCB Financial Group is actually a company by itself. You know, so Scotia Group, for example, Sajika Group, they're all companies in their own right. And in the case of NCB Financial Group, which is a holding company, which we own on the JSE or TTSE, that entity would have taken on debt 
acquire, for example, Guardian, Clarion, you understand? He got his NCB Jamaica stake based on the structure, the structure of the organization a couple of years ago, no additional cost, but their NCB financial group has debt on his books, and you know, that is a consideration that you have to remember. So NCB financial group had about $245 billion worth of assets at the end of 2022. The bulk of that, about $167 million, came from its investment in subsidiaries. So Clarion Group, Guardian Holdings, NCB Jamaica, and TFOB 2021, which is LINK. So why does you know, this matter? So post, you know, NCB, or I should say post FinSAC, you know, reorganization, which was after, you know, the financial sector crisis, NCBJ would have not, you know, raised or, you know, have any new issued shares from then to now. So to hear the surprise, hey, we're not paying any dividends, we've just changed two executives and we're going to consider an APO it came as a significant surprise. And we are just, you know, left to ponder what's going on because the same day NCB released that news, which was yesterday, is the same day that Scotia Group, which, you know, is the second largest banking uh, conglomerate or financial conglomerate in a sense in Jamaica, they released rare results and they were impressive, you know, significant year-over-year growth, you know, and they themselves have put down more capital towards Basel III on their books. Because Basel III, you know, was originally supposed to be implemented in Jamaica for July 2023, which would have been two months ago. It was back in May, I heard it was pushed back to January. And then yesterday, I heard, you know, Scotia Group CFO Gabriel O'Connor mentioned that the timeline has been pushed back again to March. So while the Basel III timeline is being pushed back further and further, it's going to come eventually. So that's one of the things that I back in mind as a consideration of what's likely to, you know, be one of the reasons for raising additional capital. <laughs> that's a very. <laughs> it's a lot because, for, for example, it's it, a very optimistic <laughs> view of what the potential reason is, especially given all the news surrounding NCB this past week. So there's going to be a lot of speculation about what the real reason is, including what may have come to many people's minds first. And our good friend Nano Sense is the one who said it today, raising money to pay their former executives. Because remember now, they now have how much money they owe now? Um, we don't know because remember that they had surrounded the shares in July 2021 for about 13.6 billion Jamaican dollars. But we don't know how the sentiment of that liability will go. Because it's the shares in Akalila. What about other clauses that would have been in their contract? For the event where they are required to exit earlier than expected. In the case meaning that would ends be required required as well to be paying out the remainder of their contract as well immediately. Well, let me ask Keisha to jump in, because potentially $21 billion, that's the number we're using very loosely right now, is a lot of money. And uh, this is a company that made 40 billion in profit last year. So that's on the books, have money. Why do you think NCB needs all this money all of a sudden to go to come into the market at this time on top of that? I tend to, to lean more in line with what David is saying. I don't anticipate it being a payout back to the executives that recently resigned. That would not be a prudent move. And certainly being a regulated entity, 
I'm sure NCBs, they would not, that would not be permissible. So it is likely to be raising a capital in anticipation of the increased capital requirements. I, I believe that's what it is. And for context, Halila, you have to remember, NCB, you know, financial group, you might have seen consolidated $40 billion worth of profit, but not all of that money is attributable to NCB financial group, shareholders, which I should say in particular. Remember, they only own 61% of Guardian Holding Limited and 51% of Clarion. So while you might see a big consolidated number at the bottom, that's not what shareholders have been entitled to as profits. And in the same breath, capital flowing up the group, up to the holding company, is another story. Because Clarion hasn't paid a dividend since NCB, you know, had acquired them back in 2016, 2017, I think. And I remember going through NCB financial group, the company's standalone statements, and there was only about a $45 million difference in terms of dividend income that would have likely come from Guardian Holding in Trinidad because Guardian paid more than $100 million to NC, well, $100 million TTD to NCB Global Holdings last year in 2022. And NCB Global Holdings is the one that owns the Guardian shares, and it's a wholly owned subsidiary of NCB Financial Group. So that money flowing up, you know, is something that we have to also consider. Is all of it reaching the parent company to satisfy their own liabilities and to support the bank as well? And Philip is ever the optimist. Philip says, it's a great move. Love to see it. Our capital markets remain alive and kicking. But I don't this is, that stance. This is a very difficult economic environment and market environment to be trying to raise such a large amount of money. So first of all, David, why don't you agree with that stance? And then I want to hear Keisha on the, the economic environment right now and the possibility of even raising that much money right now. So we have to be realistic in that money isn't around. You know, some persons will be like, hey, I'm clamoring to get some NCBFG shares. But at the same time, you have a couple of considerations. One, you have pension funds, unit trusts, and other entities which should have already had NCB exposure, you know, through the equity, in this case being the shares, have some of NCB debt and whatever NCB has. So for some pension funds or unit trusts, they're going to be exposure limits that will immediately come up when they're even considering such a potential offer. So that's one thing. The next thing is, you know, going back to the chairman. It's, it's an APO, yeah. And let us say he wanted to maintain his stake. Does AIC have that capital to come in behind them to inject into NCB Financial Group from that perspective? Because remember, last two years plus, no dividends has been paid. And you guess the majority of it, 50% of it. So if no dividends are coming from NCB Financial Group over the last two years, where would he get that capital to actually be supporting that offer? Don't get me wrong. There is money in the markets you know, leaching would have sold some shares recently for about three billion Jamaican dollars back in June. But it's going to be relatively a lot of work. Not saying the offer won't necessarily get all subscribers not get fully taken up, but it's necessarily an indication that you know, hey, the market's alive and kicking is likely other factors such as the fact that under the university requirements, you know, speaking to somebody, they're pointing out that one of the considerations 
it's not in Hearthstone as yet is the holding company should not be taking on more leverage past a particular ratio. What does that mean? So your debt equity in a sense shouldn't pass a particular ratio because what some financial groups do is that they take on the debt and then give their subsidiaries to do for their different purposes. So what normally would happen is it just say NCB financial group, the company itself would go to the market, say, hey, I want some debt and I'm going to just inject it to my subsidiary as direct equity, meaning new shares for the subsidiary. That's, you know, what everybody would do. But with these other factors in the background, it's likely a potential, you know, reality that, hey, they can't just go and borrow debt in the market like that and give NCBJ based on, you know, other potential factors in the background. Because don't get me wrong, the private markets are quite active. But in the same breath, the public market might not get the same sort of response because while it's affordable open in Jamaica and Trinidad, the $21 billion you're talking about or referencing is likely around probably 140 to 150 million US, which is sounds small to some people. But to remember, this is a Jamaican entity which hasn't paid dividends in the last two years. I've seen the departure of two executives and, you know, Realistically speaking, has to be in these new capital requirements. So we can't just say, hey, everything is back to life, everything is kicking. There are other factors that the public would not be generally aware of that you know would require or kind of push NCB financial group to take decision to do an APO and raise equity capital. So one thing I'm actually looking forward to is to see how it's going to be structured. Will it be, for example, whereby some NCBFG debt holders could convert their existing NCBFG debt into shares and also, you know, how the capital is going to be actually fully used alongside, will there be a strategic buyer coming in alongside leeching to support this offer? That's a mm. significant thing to remember because in the case of the Derman APO, for example, there is about 4.2 billion Jamaican dollars, but $2 billion came from Barita who took a 20% stake in Derman at the time. So you kind of get where I'm coming from, Kalila? Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. on that note, Keisha, because David also mentioned the difference between activities on the private markets versus the public markets. Do you think that with the current uh, environment, publicly, the public market environment, NCB could even raise this kind of money right now? Yeah, there's a lot of money um, out there for sure. And with NCB, most of the larger shareholders are the institutional players, the pension fund, the larger companies. So I anticipate the money is there on the sidelines. It could also be an opportunity, as David was alluding to, for a large strategic buyer to enter. I think that may be happening. Um, and that would be very interesting to see. But still, the thing is, as investors, we always have to look on fundamentals. It's not in the moment right now, what do we do? But long-term, is this company a solid company you'd want to own? Yes. Is the company, no, and we, we still need the details of the APO, but as is now, is the company attractively valued? Yes or no, you can make that decision. And then when the IPO details are out, are these attractive um, terms and conditions and I'd want to participate. You also have the right not to participate if it's um, renounceable. So it's up to you as an investor, but definitely taking a long-term view, it would make sense to take up a lot of NCB shares at these prices right now, regardless of these intermittent struggles that are going on. The, 
some of the greatest investors, they say, buy when there's blood in the streets, right? Now is the time to seriously consider loading up on a company if you believe it is solid. That's really where it is. So we need to see the details of the APO. So let me just take a step back here because the name is Joe, wants to know what is an APO? So Joe, just very basic, an additional public offer is what the letters stand for. And it is when a company creates new shares in itself that it intends to sell to the public. And by selling it, they're going to gain some capital. So if you've heard the term IPO, initial public offer, that's the first time a company sells its shares to the public. Uh, in the case of NCB, they already had an initial public offer many, many moons ago. So it can't be the first time more than once, right? It can't be born again virgin. <laughs> so it's additional. It's an additional public offer. These are new shares being created, and they're offering the public a chance to own brand new shares in NCB. All right, so that's what additional public offer is. Uh, David, bringing you back in now in terms of the timeline, because this is still not final yet. The board of directors has approved it, but it still has to go to an extraordinary general meeting. How likely is that EGM to approve this APO? If they did by a poll, it's already done and sealed. Because what I mean by a poll? So by the way, your APO in Jamaica, international markets here, secondary market offering, same thing. New shares being sold. But when it comes on to, you know, apologies, just lost my train of thought a while ago. Can you read the question again, Kalida? Uh, how likely is it for an EGM to approve the APO? Yeah, so what I was saying was, if it's on a poll method, it's likely to be 100% approved because if you did by a vote or a show of hands, the risk is there that shareholders would not approve it. But if it's done on a poll basis, then it's basically done, signed, and sealed. Why? Because on a poll, it's actually based on the number of shares you actually have, not necessarily based on a showing hands up basis. So, for example, remember Carrie Simmons, AGM, about two years ago, where you know the majority of shareholders would have voted against the proposal to have a royalty, but because they're in a poll, and since Semex, you know, would have had the majority number of shares, the decision went through as approved same way. So while the majority of shares would have been against it because it was in a poll and the majority owners casted the vote in their particular preference, it went through. So I so said about, you know, if it would be approved by shareholders, it's really to see what is the perspective of the marriage shareholders, you know, for NCB to do an APO. And something else to remember is that an EGM requires a 21-day timeline before it can actually occur. So what that means is the EGM couldn't occur this month. It has to probably either occur in October or November. And something to also point out is that NCBFG's book value, meaning the equity divided by the number of shares, is $74.57. So... When you think about it, actually, you're talking about potentially getting NCB financial group below book value, which should be a steal for some persons. Because, realistically speaking, NCB financial group has not gotten worse. The reality is the economic environment has become a lot more challenging, but the group itself is still churning out a significant amount of business across multiple jurisdictions. 
And when somebody was asking earlier, will it be available locally? So NCB Financial Group is listed on the Jamaica and Trinidad and Tobago Stock Exchanges. So the offer will be opening in both Trinidad and Jamaica. So they are treated per se to this one jurisdiction. So I see quite a few comments. Let me take some of them. Uh, people weighing in on what this could possibly mean. We have Pablo who says, no dividend, no share appreciation. Why buy this stock? Someone please tell me. So there's that perspective. Uh, let me see what else we have. Elaine says, there's something called the APO effect. Christopher adding, this APO will be a game changer. I see a major wealth shift afoot. These opportunities don't come up often. Philip saying, market activity contributes to investor confidence. NCB doing an APO is excellent for the overall market. Looking forward to the structure. My feeling on APOs is no different. I think I saw another one. Alex said, someone had to make the big move, start that shift. The biggest boy did. And then we have Nano Sen saying, personally, I don't like this move. It will bring down the stock price further. So different perspectives on what this could mean. I think when they finally release the prospectus, that will give us a lot more perspective on, um, well, first of all, it's gonna tell, they're going to have to tell us why they're doing this APO. What's the use of funds? What is the purpose of it? And that will give us more perspective on you know, whether people are likely to buy into it. But I, I, I think that theory or possibility of a large investor coming into NCB via this APO is a very interesting one and one that we should uh, keep our eyes out for. I want to shift to the international markets before we come back local, if we even have time. I don't think we have time to come back local until after the break. But uh, let's look at the international markets before we go to the break. Uh, <laughs> Apple. And the iPhone, Keisha. Yes. By the way, guys, uh, viewers, you're going to get a chance to ask David and Keisha some questions after the break as well. This is an all-analyst panel tonight. So China is now finally hitting back at some stuff that's been going on for the past. They've been taking hits and hits and hits, and now they're hitting back at the United States, it appears. And they are now oh, I go, banning iPhone. Within um, Chinese government employees. From government workers, yes. That entire um, so, region. So um, within... What's the update and what's going on with the stock price? Because I did notice there's been a move in that price since the announcement. Yeah, so last week, um, unofficially, um, the Chinese government has uh, instructed government employees not to be taking their iPhone into office with them, right? So they've banned the use of um, Apple's iPhones. That news sent the stock down 3%. And the thing is, within China, um, that's about 18% of revenue for Apple. So the thinking is that, you know, if the Chinese government employees are banned from using Apple iPhones, they likely then will switch to other devices, Huawei being the main one, a Chinese um, manufacturer of phones, they would switch there and then Ultimately, it could mean that would their families switch? Would there be just a general decline in Apple sales within China because of this move? No. The thing is, China is a very big market for, for many companies and for Apple, nonetheless. It's 18% of total revenue last year and a significant growth area 
within Apple's overall revenue book because that's one of their fastest growing region in terms of sales. So having that news come out really has pushed the price down. I believe pre the news, Apple was around another all-time high. It was close to about $190 per share. The news sent the stock down to the low 170s. And then since then, it's kind of just been hovering around a 175, 176 per share. So a big drop in share price because of that move. The thing, though, with Apple, a lot of persons still see it, like myself, a very resilient company. And so the dip, people are buying it. They buy the dip. They see it as, you know, we still will buy. Apple is resilient. Maybe they can and pick up the sales elsewhere. But so far, we haven't seen any major news from Apple in terms of what they will do if this um, ban continues or worsens within China. So more to watch on that to see how that will play out. But bigger news, the new iPhone was released today, the iPhone 15 that um, came out in a video broadcast from Tim Cook. And so new phone boss, <laughs> usually <laughs> Apple releases these phones each year. And so in September, so it was highly anticipated. The big feature, I guess, in the latest, the iPhone 15, is going to be the use of spatial video. And what that's right. So you're able to capture the video in more of a 3D mode. And so because of that, they, the goggles, I can't remember the name of it, you're able to be as if you are. Yeah, they're, they're VR goggles. I can't remember headset. their VR headset. Right. Yes. VR Pro or something like that. They're going to, the use of the spatial video will allow you then to, when you're watching it back on your headset, it appears as if you are really there in person, you know, bringing that whole metaverse type feeling to, to what you're doing. So that's a, a major um, development on the new iPhones, but the share price today fell by another 2%. Um, so I guess People not really <laughs> very excited about that, but um, they also abandoned. They finally abandoned the lightning cable and are going USB C. USB C. Industry God. standard has won. Yeah. So last year I decided that you know I was gonna go into the Apple ecosystem. You have to change out all your chargers, change all that. The the, the charger being the biggest problem. So it didn't I'm David perfect. start the show with AirPods in, and now he has. <laughs> Did I pick nah. at the beginning of the show? Because so, somebody nope. was picking you up for having AirPods. And so what, David was with AirPods, and now you're back to wired. No? Yeah, no. David, no. Lego him. Where are they? They're the most reliable. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But the thing is, remember, Kalila, the E would have been a major factor in, the, in Apple actually shifting towards USB-C. Because the EU is basically the de facto regulator of the world. So whatever the EU does, the rest of the world kind of catches on because you cannot really drop Europe as a market. That's a significant amount of wealth that you cannot ignore. Because the EU said, hey, we want to have just one standardized type of input port so that, you know, instead of having multiple charters being purchased and so forth, you have less waste being produced, which actually makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So looking yeah, forward, the that. only one always have to do their own thing. They always have to, like Keisha said, you always have to switch up your change. whole yeah. system because nothing compatible with Apple. And no, but the thing is that Apple actually, I shows you Apple was doing what actually made sense. For one, it was a closed ecosystem, so it was a lot more harder to actually compromise. 
And at the same time, the Apple ecosystem is a very powerful network. When you think about Forest and Kalila, Apple is one of the best selling phone. Well, the iPhone is one of the best selling phones in history. Apple releases a new iPhone like every year and it's overbought. Like people just get a new iPhone like it's nothing. And even when the prices are going up, people are still getting them. And today was kind of significant in the sense that you have an iPhone today, say, not made in China, but made in India. So while that China risk is there, Apple is you know, trying to push itself further into the Southeast Asian markets where the wealth might not be as high, but the population is there. So the growth market has that space. Yeah, but it's still a way to, re to catch up to what they're doing in China. But it's, uh, you know, very young or early back up to it for sure. Yeah. Mm. All right, let's take a break, guys. There are lots of questions in the comments, and we have a couple other things to talk about as well. So let's hit where we're we going to. <laughs> I'm all confused because everything is, my entire setup is completely different than it normally is. But uh, stay with us, Keisha, David. We're going to take a break, but before we go, um, let's do our poll question. So what do you understand about the taxpayer's role in the SSL investigation? Viewers, what do you understand about the taxpayer's role in the SSL investigation? So this was a big thing last week. People still talking about it. A, taxpayers are paying SSL's operational costs while the investigation is ongoing. B, it's a bailout for the company. C, taxpayers are paying back the money that was defrauded. D, taxpayers aren't paying anything for the SSL investigation. Other, leave a comment. All right, so this is about the SSL uh, government's decision to step. Let me not give you the answer. What do you understand about it? Take tonight's poll on the community section of our YouTube channel or over on the app formerly known as Twitter. X. Uh, time now for your hurricane tip brought to you by CG United. Hurricane tips are brought to you by CG United. It's good like that. Here's your hurricane tip. After a storm, be sure to review your policy and schedule an appointment with a claims officer or report in writing any losses as soon as possible. Take photos of any damages inside and outside your home and its contents or of your vehicle and make a list of all damaged items for insurance claims. In case of looting, immediately inform the police if property is lost, stolen or maliciously damaged. Take all reasonable steps to recover any lost or stolen property and to secure your home. Note that due to the volume of claims and the extent of damage that may occur, it may be some time before the adjusters can visit because everybody's going to be calling them same time. Once the okay is given by your insurance company, take steps to minimize your losses and begin the cleanup process. And that's your hurricane tip brought to you by CG United. Hurricane tips were brought to you by CG United. It's good like that. Cap and the analysts are standing by. This segment of Taking Stock was brought to you by Bulwark Insurance Agency, insurance made easy. Hey, moneymakers, join the KRM fam with our official merch. Get it now at KhalilaReynolds.com. Let's get this money.
The JC Combined Index lost over 4,000 points last week or 1%. 120 stocks traded across the main and junior markets for the week, ending Friday, September 8, 2023. 42 made gains, 69 lost value, and 9 stayed the same. 61 million shares changed hands on the Jamaican dollar market, valued at $347 million. JMMB Group 7.5% was the week's most traded stock. It took up 14% of market volume with 9 million shares trading. The stock lost 3 cents to open Monday at a dollar and 3 cents. Trans Jamaican Highway traded at the second highest. The stock lost 1 cent to open this week at $2.60. And Fesco rounded out last week's most traded with 5 million shares changing hands. The stock lost 34 cents to open Monday at $3.26. Now let's see who had the biggest gains for the week. Caribbean Flavors and Fragrances was the market's biggest gain up nearly 18%. The stock opened Monday at $1.27. Margaritaville Turks was up 16% to start the new week at $16.30. And Epley 7.5% preference shares due 2024 was up almost 15% to open the week at $6.88. On the losing side now, CAC 2000 was the week's biggest loser. The stock lost $1.48 to open Monday at $3.52. Salada Foods was the week's second biggest loser, opening the new week at $2.51. And Cargo Handlers was down almost 17%, closing last week at $13.66. Over on the Trinidad and Tobago Stock Exchange, the Composite Index lost almost 2% last week. Massey was the most traded stock. The stock gained $0.09 cents to open this week at $4.62 TT. It was also the biggest gain of the week, up 2%. And on the losing side... Angostura Holdings fell almost 12% to open Monday at $20 TT. Over in the U.S., the Dow Jones lost almost 1% last week, while the S&P 500 dipped nearly 2% and the Nasdaq fell almost 3%. Motorists saw a slight dip at the pumps last week. Gas prices were down 25 cents, while the price of regular diesel dipped 31 and low sulfur diesel lost 41 cents. In foreign exchange, it took an average $155.45 Jamaican to purchase one US dollar last Friday. That's 27 cents more than a week before. Meanwhile, it took an average $113.99 Jamaican to purchase one Canadian dollar. One British pound cost on average $195.43 Jamaican, and you could buy one euro for $169.20 Jamaican on average. Finally, on the crypto markets, Bitcoin prices fell half a percent over the past five days, trading at $25,598 US on Monday. While Ethereum was down almost 3%, trading at $1,587 US on Monday. This segment of Taking Stock, The Analyst, is brought to you by Profit Jumpstarter. Disclaimer. This is not intended as financial advice. Please consult a licensed financial advisor before making investment decisions. Welcome back. Welcome back, David. Welcome back, Keisha. And to our viewers joining us, Keisha, I know you have to leave soon. So there's a question in the chat that would be directed towards you. Uh, let me find, oh gosh, can I find it again? All right, so it's from Nano Sen. I don't know if you're familiar with this, but he says that there's an IPO dropping tomorrow on the New York Stock Exchange called Arm. Uh, <laughs> it's a semiconductor company based in the UK. Are you familiar with that? And if so, 
What are your thoughts? Uh, I've, yeah, I've seen it in the news. The thing with IPOs in the U.S., they operate very differently from Jamaica in that you are not that period in Jamaica where you're able to subscribe, like we, we just did for one great studio, that period where you're taking the subscriptions, that's not usually as available to the public as it is here. So with ARM, what will happen is that the, the allocation, all that has already been done, then the IPO is the, the start of trading on the stock. Usually it's a very volatile period because now we're doing that big rebalance. Those who would have been pre-IPO are usually at this time trying to exit. New investors may be coming in. And it could be like we saw for Instacart where, you know, we do the IPO and then the share price tanks in the early days just because of the market mechanics and the dynamics behind it. So this... I know about it. It's a solid company. I don't know if your question is about how it's going to perform once it starts trading. We really won't know because it's a factor of what demand and supply will come in. Um, so I can't really know, but it's a, it's a solid company. Okay. Next question yeah. for Keisha. This, again, so these questions are just coming at us with no preparation. So I don't know if Keisha is prepared to answer it, but we'll throw it out there anyway. It comes from Jose. Who wants to know your thoughts on? Yeah. I saw. I, did, I didn't know what that is. <laughs> okay. All right. Cool. Yeah. If anybody does know what it is, answer in the chat. <laughs> so, Keisha, you have a conference coming up uh, on the heels of the success of your Build Wealth with Real Estate conference. You're like, let's do it again. Let's do it. Well, uh, this one is a workshop. So, coming out of the conference, what a lot of persons wanted was, hey, you know. Keisha, teach me in more details. And so we're going to be having a wealth building workshop, which is more you now detail oriented for persons who say, you know, Mwan, know the nitty gritty around how to build a portfolio to create wealth. How do I combine my real estate with my stocks, with my other investments to create a portfolio that I know will build wealth for me? Because the thing is, a lot of persons, you know, we, we do a little IPO, we do some APO, we're doing some investments, we have some real estate, but do I have the right amount of each? Am I putting in the right amount of money each month? Mm -hmm. How much should I be putting in these APOs? Should I be even participating in them? Should I be doing IPOs or should I be just looking at companies that are already listed? Should I be looking at US companies? So there are a lot of questions that are out there. And so this workshop is specifically set up to teach persons how to build portfolios. What are the actual strategies that you use to combine your real estate with your stocks, with your unit trusts, and create this portfolio that is diversified that we know can stand the test of time. If anything happened, the portfolio is still there, strong, secure, and able to build wealth for you for multiple generations. So the workshop is going to be on Saturday, October 14. We're back at the AC Hotel. That's we said at our place. <laughs> so we're back at the AC Hotel, Saturday, October 14. This time we are doing registration in person and virtual. So got the, the virtual hookup. So we're, we're going to have both for persons who can't make it in person. Virtual tickets are there. And so if you want to sign up, you go to... ProfitDumpStarter.com slash workshop. Grab it. Awesome stuff. Yeah. All right. Good stuff. And it's October 14th, you said? Yes. Which is a Saturday? Saturday. Yeah. But that we sounds are really available. We're trying to we 
we're get, we're doing <laughs> we will inside joke with Kalila, but we are gonna have the replay <laughs> set up um properly for this one. So that okay. will also be available as well. All right, good. Good. Well, thank you so much, Keisha. I know you got to run. So I, I so want to address can... one thing in the comments I saw first. I can't make it slip. A lot of persons are talking about dividend appreciation, not now going with companies. But one of the main things when you think about investments, you have two fold to it. You have appreciation and dividends. Yes, but there are self-made returns as well that you can have. Thank you, Nikki. There are self-made returns. So don't necessarily look on the fact that for now, you're not getting that appreciation or dividends on NSB. Look at the fundamentals. You can't go wrong. Stocks always come back to fundamentals. That's what works. That's what stands the test of time. So don't be swayed by what's happening right now in the short term. Always, always, always look at the fundamentals. Yeah. Okay. All right. Thank you once again, Keisha. Enjoy the rest of your evening. Bye. Let's get back to David now. So we have a lot of questions that we need to get to. I'll try to get to as many as then as possible. But you also wanted to talk about Seprod's upcoming AGM. Why is that important for us to note? So if you actually take a look at the company's notice of AGM, there's a key item that, you know, kind of stood out to me, which was item five, to increase authorized share capital of the company to consider if the fit passed the following resolution that the authorized share capital of the company be increased by 220 million new ordinary shares from 780 million ordinary shares to 1 billion ordinary shares. And the board is authorized to do particular things. That is something you don't just ignore, Kalila. That means a couple of things. So whereas we're talking about the potential reasons for NCB, FGD, and APO, Nick is a separate, it could potentially mean, for example, the expansion of the business, you know, through another capital event, you know, or for example, they look to acquire another significant business and offer some of the separate shares as consideration for the transaction. You know, I remember seeing the preference Wait, hold shares. On, go back. Read, read back the thing again more slowly. Apologies for being so fast. Uh, so to increase the authorized share capital of the company, to consider an if the fit pass the following resolution that the authorized share capital of the company be increased by 220 million new ordinary shares from 780 million ordinary shares to 1 billion and the board of directors of the company are hereby authorized to it mentions a lot and you know convert and do other processes subsequent to that so stepra doing an apo or a rights issue too no, as I was pointing out, it doesn't necessarily have to be the case like that. Because when you, let's just say, even Tropical Battery, as a recent example, where they'd have acquired Kai and Damrep, part of that transaction or deal would have been to issue shares to the seller in the company. So, except, uh, Tropical would have paid some cash and they'd have offered some shares in Tropical, new shares to the seller. So they could become a shareholder in Tropical Battery. So in the case of Separate, it doesn't have to be an equity raise in one perspective. It could also be the case whereby they see the opportunity to actually acquire, you know, another business, potentially somewhere else in the region or elsewhere. Could be the case whereby they could do a share swap, whereby some of the AS Brighton shareholders 
would give their ace bride in shares in exchange for separate shares. So there are different ways that this can entirely play out. But to just see come out of nowhere, you're like, hmm, that was unexpected. Because the last time Sephora had an increase in its shares was whereby it actually issued new shares, you know, to the owners of Facey Commodity Company Limited. So, you know, that was Sephora acquired Face Commodity Company Limited. And I was able to grow its books considerably since then and was able to acquire Ace Bread recently. But back in 2018, we have acquired Face a Commodity Company through the issuance of shares. It would have been no, uh, no cash at all. And even when separate sold their building, one of the distribution centers they had before, they sold it to Epley Property Fund. And in that deal, Epley would have issued shares to separate for the building. No cash transferred again. And what separate did in that situation was they actually gave a dividend whereby if you own more than 2,000 shares, you'd have gotten Epley Property Fund shares as part of your dividend. So this is Ooh. just to kind of show you that Although a company will increase in share capital, I know they're talking about converting to stock units and everything else. We don't want to go into this by equity raise as one simple way in order to have a rise issuer or APO. It's just up in the air because I pointed out they can easily go back to 2018 scenario whereby they give shares to the other party to actually settle a transaction, in this case, an acquisition. Very, very interesting. So when is that AGM? And this is my moment where I blame Flo. Thanks for the poor internet. <laughs> I think it's the 27th. Sorry, I missed again. Oh, I'll go Kalila. The Correct, 27. 27 at Terra Nova at 10 a.m. It's going to be a hybrid. Mm. So we sh should expect to get more information at that event. Are you going to attend and report for us? I don't know that there's a Wednesday. I'm not sure that there's going to be as yet, but I can always send questions via the virtual platform and hopefully they actually answer them. So that's one option. Okay. Yeah, we'll wait for that, um, that update because that's a very interesting development. Let's go down the line answering some other questions we have here and I'll take like the next 10 minutes and sure. just as many as we can in that time. Starting from very early in the show, Adrian had this pressing question. He wanted to know, he said, good evening. My question to you concerns Jamaica's vulnerability to being FATF blacklisted. Do you believe Jamaica can avoid FATF blacklisting by October 2023? If so, how? Well, Adrian, there was a list. There is a list of things that the government needs to achieve by that deadline. I don't know how advanced they are on that list. So I haven't been following it as closely as I should. I'm not sure if they like publish it regularly to say, We've achieved another one. We've achieved another one. So, so how many lists have they achieved? Do you have that info, David? Yes, I was actually at the conference back in, I believe it was uh, May slash June when the conference was being held in France. I wasn't there physically, I was there virtually. But so Yes, but, then, but do you know, because we reported on this <clears throat> a few months ago, but do you know it's now September? Like how far advanced are they towards those goals as of now? So what, what the FATF, which would be the Financial Action Task Force, you know, would have highlighted as one of the things that needed to be done was that we needed to demonstrate rather than just showing that we have implemented the changes alone. So instead of just saying, hey, we've, you know, put on, put a fence, you know, in front of the pool, 
how do, do you actually, you know, ensure that nobody can fall into pull and drown? That's kind of like a simple analogy. So Dr. Clark kind of highlighted that things such as the company's office amendments and other things that should have been required by the Financial Action Task Force, those are just, you know, being completely finalized now. And the government is hoping that by the time the next update comes, which is next month in October, that we can actually apply to come off the FATF gray list. So you have two lists. You have the FATF blacklist, which is where we don't want to be, and we're in the gray list, which is where we currently are. That list is also occupied by Barbados, Cayman Islands, Haiti, and a couple other countries, but we're currently the gray list. So right now, Dr. Clark mentioned before that you know we're looking to apply to come off a list by you know next mo- by next month. And the thing is, you know, you apply and say, oh, everything is there and we're going to just let you off. They come to actually physically inspect, you know, in the country to see that what you've actually done has actually been implemented. So if all goes well, we get the good news that Jamaica has demonstrated enough that they can come and do an inspection and we can get off of the gray list. We got off the EU's non-cooperative tax jurisdictions list last year. So to get off this next list would be a good step forward for Jamaica. Mm. And there's actually the annual conference that I host on the annual AML CFT conference, and I'm usually the, the host for that. And uh, that's coming up in October. So I expect to see those updates right around that time as well. Next question comes from Alex, who wants David's thoughts on the JMMB buyback. They need to execute it. Like earlier today, I saw an article by Loop and I said, Wait, are you serious? Like when I actually did the math, I was shocked. JMMB's price to earnings ratio is below six times, which is kind of insane. So basically, it takes JMMB about six years on a normal basis, you know, to return all the earnings relative to the price. So I just want them to just get started with it and just buy back uh, as they see, you know, volume coming into the market. Because with JMB trading below its book value, it's actually the best time to be having a buyback because they're able to buy shares below the, the accounted book value of the business, which, as I mentioned earlier, was equity by the number of shares. And the thing is that the buyback might have been delayed, which would have ticked off persons. But in the same way, it's come at a relatively opportune time whereby, you know, last week, JMB hit a new 52-week low of $25 and a penny which hasn't been seen since 2019, which kind of shows you how you know far some prices are falling off. And for Jamie to win a buyback at this time and to extend a cheaper price prior to when you know they'd have announced the expected timeline of uh, April 1, 2022, it works in their favor. And GK, Grace Kennedy, they're also you know trying to do a buyback as well. Let us see if they will take the same kind of timeline that Jamie B took to actually get their buyback approved because both, well, JMB Group, NCB Financial Group, and Grace Kennedy are all listed on both Jamaica and Trinidad and Tobago stock exchanges. And the thing is, in Trinidad, they don't still have def- uh, defined framework for buybacks. So you have to actually take an exemption from their Securities and Exchange Commission. So that was the main holdup for why JMB could not execute the buyback for so long. We don't have that kind of restriction in Jamaica. But in the case of Trinidad, you have to get permission over there 
before you actually do something such as a buyback. So Grace Candy is still waiting on the TTSC, TTSCC. So Jeremy got the green light. So let us just see them, uh, you know, buy the shares back and accrue for the shareholder value. And we saw them declare dividend recently too. So that's a good sign. Okay. Next question comes from Philip, who referring to NCB. Why doesn't anyone think they're acquiring something? Because he heard the theories from you earlier, Basel three requirements, it could be um, a multiple of factors, but what about the possibility of them wanting to raise funds to make an acquisition? That wouldn't surprise me, it's not, not off the table. It's just that when you're looking at the most probable reasons for actually doing an APO now, you know, the capital situation with regards to his key subsidiary, which is NCBJ, would take priority and precedence in this discussion. And as I mentioned earlier, it could also be the case whereby they are converting some of the debt to shares in the company. Uh, but let us see, you know, what happens when the EGM announcement comes around. You know, if each gives any details about why they're doing an APO. But an acquisition for NCBFG in this kind of environment would further bull states business in terms of the group, more than two trillion worth of assets, more than $180 billion worth of shareholder equity. That's one that's kind of numbers you don't just produce overnight. That takes time of time and work. Devon wants to know when is one GS listing? So that I cannot confirm. So the refunds have already gone out, the base development has already come out. What would have had happened? Whatever what would have had what would have happened is that one GS would have applied to the JSC's listing committee to actually be listed on the junior market. And once the once that committee approves the listing, then within five business days, you know, you actually have the listing. So not sure when you know listing committee is actually meeting because it's not public information, but it's likely they're going to be listed before the end of this month. We just don't know the specific date as yet. We're likely to see at least probably one or two days before the actual listing the announcement. And if you have access to JTrader Pro, the day before the actual listing, you will actually see the shares in your account in that way. And if you're a JMB uh, user, you get an email in the morning saying, hey, you have shares in your account for 1GS. Okay. NanoSense wants to know what's the price of the APO. They haven't announced that yet. There's no prospectus yet. Uh, it hasn't even been approved by shareholders yet. So just hold on for that information when they make those announcements. Uh, Horace wants to know, do you think NCB will pay a dividend before this APO is offered to the public? Is that's, a, well, that's, a, that's a very hard question from the perspective that when Lee Jin came back and said, hey, a dividend is coming this year, everybody was like, yes, next meeting we're going to say dividend. And when the August release came out for the Q3 numbers, there was no dividend. People were like, oh my God. And you saw the massive sell off in the stock price the following you know, day. And while Lishan has committed to actually paying a dividend <clears throat> out before the end of this year, it's still something yet to be seen because the board has to approve it. And you know, the BOJ will likely have their commentary on a dividend payment as well. Let us see. Leaching said, hey, we're going to do it. So I'll defer to the chairman's words. Okay. And last question comes from Devon, who wants to know, whatever happened to the land that Wigton bought out by ferry? What's the plan for it? Do you have any information on that? Well, somebody told me something. I won't repeat it. But, you know, 
based on the land that they bought and where they bought it, it's likely to be a commercial development at that space. Because along that stretch of ferry, on the side where they are, Tropical, uh, Tropical Batteries head office is there, you have Nestle's head office, and you have different businesses of significant value that are building out along that ferry stretch. So, you know, across the road, you have uh, Chorus Fesco, and you have Derriman Radio Ferry as well. So it's like to be a commercial development, you know, could be a warehousing space, could be just in a manufacturing space, we don't know, but the thing is they own the land, which is finite. They're not making more land, so let's just see what they actually put forward to do with that development and how it actually accrue value to shareholders who would love more dividends, but Wigton is just focusing on the changing winds. Mm. Well, we're going to leave it there for this evening, David. Thank you so much for joining me and answering all those questions, rapid fire style. I wish I was a little bit more. I remember all these things. Like my brain is not so focused <laughs> to, to maintain all that information. Have a very short and small scope of things that you're actually interested in life. And it becomes a lot easier to remember this much information. Okay. All right, you heard the man himself, his, his productivity and memory tips and hacks. <laughs> Let's take a quick break and come back with final comments. This segment of Taking Stock, the Analyst, was brought to you by Profit Jumpstarter. What do you do when you're suddenly hit with a big unexpected expense? If you have children in prep school like me, I have two, you've gotten the note that school fees are going up by as much as 50%. So you're stressed out right now, huh? At this point, you may be considering some of these options. So you may be looking to reallocate funds, maybe cancel summer vacation, take out a loan or put it on a credit card move your kids to public school or you just gotta step up your hustle but we can figure it out that's the thing realistically all we have to do is plan my name is tamika thomas shaw my top things today were about budgeting and investing while the session on budgeting started off making me feel as if oh boy i've not been doing myself much justice in this area i opened my eyes as to what i can do and especially the app that you shared with us so i will definitely be putting the action build your budget with me inside the money mission community you'll get my byb template app recommendations and live brainstorming sessions to help you plug those income gaps Build Your Budget is available on demand or with a premium membership to the Money Mission community. Join now at moneymission.mn.co. The link is in the description. In the sweltering heat of Jamaica, a humble appliance attempts to tame the relentless blaze. Enter the Lasco fan, valiantly striving to provide respite from the scorching temperatures. With blades spinning and air circulating, the Lasco fan becomes a symbol of hope in the face of oppressive heat. We not about that life. We have AC money. We have JPS money. Join me and the money makers inside the Money Mission community. Welcome back. Final comments. So let's see who we have here. Adrian says the idea of a large investor or investors being able to invest in NCB is a good idea. A Dani group of India did a similar thing in the aftermath of the Heidenberg research debacle. So, hmm, 
Interesting indeed. Roswell says Apple is a good company as long as they can keep up the pace on wowing their customers who love their products. Has Apple wowed you recently? I feel like I haven't really seen any major innovation from Apple. Keisha did mention that, what did she call it? Forget, I need to see it. I need to go you know, do some research on what she was talking about. That's some type of video experience. Uh, Roswell says, Scotia is paying a nice dividend, 40 cents. Why still in love with NCB? Being loyal to a company not paying dividends may not grow your wealth. Well, let's see if that not paying dividends continues much longer based on what Leachin said. Wisdom. Oh, thank you so much, Wisdom. Just had to say that Khalil has had a major impact on the development of this country through financial literacy. In just a few years, she's made investing accessible to so many people. Congrats. Thank you. Thank you. Making me feel good. Uh, Devon says, Seprod will APO. You work at Seprod, Devon? You have some inside information? You sound very confident with that one. Ryan says, with cybersecurity hitting Jamaica, we're far from reaching the October 2023 deadline. We heard about the cyber breach at, uh, which company was it? I heard something today. Oh, I'm not going to say who it was because I'd, the source that I saw it from was not an official source. I don't know if that information is verified, so let me not mention it. Is it verified, David? I said David writing in the private chat who it is. But I saw it on Twitter. There was a press release. Okay, so it was Derriman. Derriman hit by a, a cyber attack very recently. So yeah, good point, Ryan. Let's see what the update is. Uh, what else do we have here? Uh, Christopher. Says NCB stock price is gonna plummet. Do the math, demand, and supply at work based on the APO? <laughs> Ryan said, David is young, you can keep it in. <sighs> Wait till you have kids, David. Can't remember nothing. <laughs> Georgia says, doing an APO now is a bad idea. A rights issue would have been better. I don't think the market will respond well. But if they get that one big buyer, do they really need the market to respond well? That could be the play. Let's see. Uh, Nana Sen said it was a very informative show tonight. Thank you. Richard said, like the video people. And Devon said, I was hoping Wigton would put up some kind of, some wind turbine out at Ferry. Ryan, the VR headsets. No, that wasn't the, the development. She said it was some kind of video technology. She, there was a name for it. Um, some type of video technology that's the new thing in the new iPhone specifically. Let's see what else we have. Is that about it? Yeah, looks like it, it's about it. So thank you guys for joining us. Yet another event, yet another show. You may have noticed that I'm you know, not completely on my game tonight. I've been sick for the past almost a week now from Wednesday. I'm still not really 100%. So... You see, I look kind of weird and sound kind of weird and not moving the way I usually move. That's the reason, which is why I said earlier, it's like a marriage, sickness and in health. We're going to be here on a Tuesday night. We're going to have you taking stock for you. Let me know as well who you want to see us interview on the show. 
next week or any future episode so that we can have some ideas to work on. We did have a completely different show planned. Our guests canceled at the last minute, but that's cool because when that happens, that gives us the opportunity to have shows like this that are just jam-packed with information. We get to do Ask the Analyst. We get to put David on the spot and Keisha on the spot and you know, go the full time with you guys. Sounds like I'm not getting enough sleep. That, that's not it at all. I sleep. <laughs> I value my sleep. Minimum seven hours a night. I get my sleep, trust me. All right. Don't be surprised if... Oh, interesting theory from Christopher. Don't be surprised if Barita becomes a major shareholder in NCBFG post-APO. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting theory. All right. And Kate telling me to feel better. Thank you, guys. See you guys next week. Same time, same place. Let's. Let's get this money. <laughs>